The next age is the conceptual age. We are in the information age. A lot of information. And now, what to do with the information? So we are heading into conceptual age. What to do with this information? Some Christians are content to wake up every day, say their prayer, go along their day, at the end of the day, say a prayer, and go to sleep, and don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. That kind of life will not get you anywhere. What I want you to think about is your whole lifespan. Why were you created? What are you doing? Where are you going? And what happened to you at the end? Knowing what will happen at the end would change what you do right now. If I were to tell you, once you walk out this door today, it will be dark, what would you do? Versus if I tell you, once you walk out of this door today, there will still be the sun. It changes what you're thinking and what you're planning to do. Some of us and a lot of us don't think about what's going to happen to us in the future. How are you going to shape your life? Tell V, she's getting ready to go to college. The college that you want to go to ran out of money. By the time you get there, no more money. They might shut down. She say, I don't care. I don't want to change my plan. I made all my plans. I'm going to go there anyway. Some of us live that way. We don't care. We just live day by day, like that song that we sing. But that's foolishness. Living like that is foolishness. Madness. Knowing that how you live your life determines where you're going to go. And if I tell you the destination and what it looks like, shouldn't you change how you live? Shouldn't you shape your life in such a way that you prepare when you get there? If I tell you, if you keep eating the junk food, you will die. I don't care. What if you don't die? Your body rots from the inside. What if people around you have to take care of you because you don't take care of yourself? What if you become a burden and a pain and suffering for all those that love you and care for you? See, we don't think ahead and we continue to do what we think. I don't care, I don't care, I don't care. And in the end, your carelessness becomes a burden and agony for other people and for yourself. It is important for us to know what happens in the end so that our lives, we live our lives in such a way that would be right according. If God didn't care, then he wouldn't write to us the scripture and teach us. Jesus says, go into the world, teach them everything that I've taught you. I'm not going to use the term fall because that's a, a Plato term. <clears throat> Adam sinned. Because he sinned, we got kicked out of Eden and into this place we call earth. Everything on the earth will decay and then it dies in the end. There are two things that will happen. Once your body, when you die, your body will go into the earth, the grave. It doesn't matter if you get cremated, incinerated, get eaten by sharks, your body will stay on earth. Your soul goes to two places. I'll just call these heaven and hell. If your soul is redeemed, then it will go to this place called heaven or paradise. If your soul is not redeemed by Jesus Christ, then it will go to this place called hell. There are no bodies in hell. The same thing, there are no body in heaven. The only souls in hell are in heaven. The souls will stay there until Jesus Christ come back, and that is called second advent. The first advent is when the Son of God became the Son of Man. The second advent is the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's when rapture happened. 
let's talk about hell first. The soul that is in hell will get risen out of hell. And then the body, let's just say you got cremated and your body is now billions of particles. God will call all those particles back. I'm dead, I'm 55, pretty good looking guy. My soul got out of hell. My body got put back together. The 55-year-old man get reunited with the soul. Now I am a complete human again, soul and body. Get rejoined, resurrect again, and that resurrection will get me into the condemnation of death. That is called the second death, and that goes into the lake of fire. Body and soul get resurrected, go into the lake of fire. If you are redeemed by God, Joanne, a 120-year-old woman, her soul comes out of heaven, her body comes out of the earth, the soul gets rejoined with the body. Now she is human again. And then there's a next step that happens to Joanne. Joanne, a 120-year-old body, will get transformed. On the mount, when Jesus was transfigured, that same thing will happen to you. You will get transformed. And your 120-year-old body will now get rejuvenated. It's still your body, but then it gets rejuvenated. And now you have a glorified body. It is still the same Joanne, but Joanne is now rejuvenated and glorified. Age doesn't matter anymore because now you're in eternity. And then you are beautified. Not that you are not beautiful right now, but you could be more beautiful. The transformation happens. You don't go to heaven because you just got out of heaven. Then the next thing that will happen is Jesus Christ will bring the new city down to us, and that city is called the New Jerusalem. And when Jerusalem comes down to the new heaven and the new earth, Joanne will come into the New Jerusalem with Jesus Christ as the ruler and king and all authority. The sun and the moon is not there because he is light. There are no more death. There are no more pain. No more waiting in line. You don't eat if you don't want to. Eat is for fun. Sleep is for fun. I, I wouldn't mind not eating or sleeping. But then, you know, again, I'll be in hell. That is what's going on in the end. Very broad stroke so that you can see what will happen to you in the end. Now, new heaven, new earth is still earth. It's not heaven. I hope we get this concept clear. It is not heaven. You are designed. God has created us to be human, and human belong on earth. And the Bible will tell you that Jesus Christ is doing what? Preparing a place for you. He is not preparing heaven for you. He is preparing what's called a new heaven and a new earth. And this, the word heaven here is a new, it is a new cosmos for us. And in this new earth is the new Jerusalem. It's the new city for the saints. And those who are redeemed by Christ will go there. Let's go to John chapter 5, verse 28 and 20, 29. Jesus says, Marvel not at this, for the hour is coming in that which all that are in the graves shall hear his voice and shall come forth. And they that have done good unto resurrection of life and they that have done evil unto the resurrection of condemnation or damnation. So we know that everyone will get resurrected. 
if you are resurrected into the new Jerusalem, that is called the first resurrection. If you get resurrected into the lake of fire, that is called the second death. First and second represent the order in time. The people who get resurrected first will go into the new Jerusalem, get resurrected when Jesus Christ comes back the second time. The people who get resurrected after, or called the second death, get resurrected into damnation, that is when the millennium has been ended. When you are resurrected in the first resurrection, when Jesus Christ comes back, heavens returns your soul, the earth returns your body, it joins again, you are the old being, you get transformed, you are taken with Christ into the marriage feast, the marriage of the Lamb. After the marriage feast or after the marriage of the Lamb, you would then go with Jesus Christ into the New Jerusalem. There you will stay with Christ and all the redeemed for a thousand years. Follow with me? You will stay there for a thousand years. The dead, the other people in hell are still in hell. The other people who are in the earth, they are dead, are still in the earth, they are dead. They don't get risen yet. Only after a thousand years ended, then second death will happen. The other dead will get resurrected. Hell release the soul. The body joins with the soul. Then the second death goes into eternal damnation. And that is called the lake of fire. Where's this concept of you die, you go to heaven come from? It didn't come from the Bible. The heaven in the Bible talks about the place for the soul. And when your body separates from the soul, there is a concept that Plato came up with. There's this place, and this place is called the realm of the forms. And in the forms, these are unchangeable concepts that exist in the mind of the one, or the first principle. The unchanging forms, together with it, have souls. And the souls that are not disciplined fallen down into earth and fall into bodies or trap into bodies. And these are their prisons. So when the person dies, they will get released from the body and then the soul go back to the realm of the forms. And that is the Platonian concept of going to heaven. It's not biblical. Another one that you might be familiar with, in ancient time, a physicist believed that there are four elements that makes up all of everything that we see in life. The four elements are listed according to their weight. Earth, water, air, and fire. Or the fifth element called celestial. The two heavy elements, earth and water, makes up your body. The two lighter elements, air and fire, or celestial, makes up your soul. And Cicero, who is a student of Aristotle, who is a student of Plato, believes that when you die, the body releases the soul. And therefore, the body, based on ancient physics, the body, because it's heavy, it goes back into the earth. And because the soul is light, then it goes into heaven. Not biblical. Hopefully, you now know where that concept of going to heaven. But God did not design us 
to separate the soul and the body. God designed you to have both soul and body all the time. Because God's creation was perfect from the beginning. At the end of the first chapter of Genesis, when he created everything, what did he say? It is very good. When God says something that's good, it is good. He doesn't need to change it. What happened is the corruption that comes from sin caused creation to be degraded from that goodness form. What Jesus Christ did is restoring that goodness that God has made in the beginning. You and I, we need our body and we need our soul. We cannot exist happily with our soul and body separated. And therefore, the saints, John saw the saints under the altar in the book of Revelation. They are crying out to God because their body and their soul is now separated. They are in this place where we can call paradise. It is not happy. Yes, of course, happier when you are in the flesh. So when you are separated from the flesh, you are no longer tied to these external things. But you are not completely happy when you are in this place called paradise. And the scripture tells you the saints who are in paradise, they're saying, God, when will you allow us to rejoin with our bodies? When is the resurrection happens? When will you avenge our death? They're not happy in paradise. They're waiting for the resurrection to happen. So this concept of having this eternal joy in heaven is wrong. It's not biblical. It is the perfect place, Paul says this, to be absent from the flesh is to be present with the Lord, but it's not the most happy place. To be absent from the flesh is to be with the Lord. He said it's happy because he no longer has to deal with sin. He doesn't have to deal with death anymore. He doesn't have to deal with pain anymore. He doesn't have to deal with people not liking his Instagram post anymore. That is a form of happiness, but it's not ultimate happiness. It's not the beatific vision. However, those who are in this place, whether they are in paradise or in hell, they're waiting. They're in a state of waiting. When you're waiting for something, are you happy? Not entirely. They're waiting for their time to get resurrected. Now, there are two resurrections happen in two different times. The first resurrection, when Jesus Christ come back, those who are in Christ, if you believe in Jesus Christ, if Jesus Christ's blood had atoned you, then when Jesus Christ come back, you will go with him. If you don't go with him, this is what happened. You stay on earth. When Jesus Christ come back and he takes the church with him, the glory of God, of Christ, and the church will be absent from the world. It means chaos. Evil will get let loose. Unimaginable things will happen when you stay here without the church of God. That will be what happened when Jesus Christ takes the saints with him. That's called the first resurrection. When Jesus takes you with him, your body get rejoined with your soul. The saints said, thank you, God. And then they will be with Jesus Christ in the new Jerusalem. Now, what about the people who are on earth? John tells you of this story. The devil will be let loose. The church will not be there anymore. And because you have seen Jesus Christ, there is no longer faith. Faith will be gone, abolished. You cannot say, I believe in Jesus Christ. You can't do that anymore. Your faith will not save you anymore. 
That's why Jesus says, blessed are those who have not seen and believed, because they have seen Jesus came back, what use is there for faith? So now, because they've seen Jesus come back, they don't need faith anymore. So how did they get saved? By not denying Jesus Christ when you get tortured by the devil. That's how you get saved. So all of those after the resurrection of the saints who get killed, or the Bible says martyred, will be saved. Where they live? Good question. They live outside the city. Now, what happens when Jesus Christ leaves with his church? There is this celebration going on, the marriage of the Lamb. And in the marriage of the Lamb, those who are betrothed to Christ, remember the parable of the ten virgins? The hour comes, the five virgins who were prepared get into the marriage feast, and the five who were left behind tells you about the duality of life. Those who believe and prepare goes with Christ and those who were not left behind. When they left behind, will they get saved? Those five virgins, will they get saved? They might get saved, but the only way for salvation would be martyrdom, meaning the devil will kill them if they do not reject Jesus Christ. So that's the only way. Now, for some of you, you say, wait a minute, weren't there other people who went straight to heaven without having to see death in the body? Remember Enoch? Remember Elijah? Chariots of fire, Enoch walked with God and he was not. They went to heaven in the bodies. Did they? We don't know where they go. But we do know this. In Revelation, there are two witnesses. After the church is gone with, with Christ, God sent two witnesses down. And they witnessed and did signs and miracles on earth. And then what happened to them? They got killed. Everybody died. Jesus Christ, what about him? Don't you remember the cross? He died. He didn't get resurrected in the first resurrection because there's no first resurrection. There's only the resurrection for Jesus Christ. He is the resurrection. 500 people saw him. So Jesus Christ resurrected and he became the first fruit of the resurrection. And therefore, we can all participate in his resurrection at the first resurrection. Everybody died. What about Moses? Well, the Bible said he died. Couldn't find his body. It doesn't mean that he didn't die. What happens then between death and resurrection? Between death and resurrection, when you're on your bed and when you die, your soul will go to either paradise or goes to hell, and then your body goes into the grave. That's what happens. You are waiting. But in this time, Jesus Christ prepared for you a place. He is building this new kingdom for us. It will not so, then I wouldn't have to tell you, but I go to prepare for you a place so that where I am, you'll be there with me also. Isn't that incredible? So what is it, why is it taking him so long? We don't know. I don't know. What is long to you? What is long to God? God has to wait on our patience, or can he take his time? We're not God. Jesus Christ is preparing. What did he do on earth? He finished the work on earth by redeeming mankind. How long did it take him? 33 years, earth years, to finish the redemption work on earth. What is he doing now? 
he is restoring heaven because of that serpent. Remember the serpent? Lucifer. Who was he? He was the head of the angel. And when he fell, what happened? He took a third of the angel with him, and we call them fallen angels. Another name for fallen angels are demons. Where are they? Falling angels are not in hell. When the scripture talk about the place where the angels are, they call that place using the Greek term Tartarus. That place we get open. Hell, Tartarus, death itself, everything got taken together, and also the souls of the unjust. He took all of that, everything will go into the lake of fire. Jesus Christ in heaven right now, restoring the order to the celestial realm, which is he's taking charge, he's taking control of the angels. He is now not only the head of the church, but he's also the head of all of the principalities in the heavenly places. And when he comes back, who does Jesus Christ come back at the second advent with? All the angels of God in flaming fire, avenging the wicked. So when Jesus Christ comes back, he's coming back with his holy angels. And then the church, we who are in Christ, get transformed and taking up with him. We, together with the angels, together with Christ in the new Jerusalem, and we will be there for a thousand years. So that is your future. A thousand years reigning with Christ, and therefore the Bible tells you that know you not that you also judge the angels. When does that happen? It happens at the end of the millennium. What angels are you are judging? Falling angels. I'm telling you all of this to draw you a picture of what happens at the end of time and into eternity to tell you that there's nothing that you can do between death and resurrection. There's absolutely nothing you can do. The only thing to do there is wait. You won't feel any pain. There's no sadness, nothing there, but nothing you can do. Because God has reserved a time for you to do things. And that time is before you die. Now, here, this is when life matters. This is when what you do matters. For the hour is coming in which all that are in the grave shall hear his voice and shall come forth. They that have done good, not when they are in the grave, but before they die. They that have done good unto resurrection of life. So after you die, there is no such place as purgatory. There's nothing on earth that anyone can do that affect the souls that are in hell. Nothing. There's only hell or paradise. Nothing that we can do when we're dead. The only thing that is possible is what you do right here, right now, when you're still breathing. When you stop breathing, even when you're breathing and you can't do anything anymore because you're incapacitated or you're in a coma, there's nothing else you can do. It is so important that you and I, we realize that we only got this one chance in our life to do what God wants us to do. If we mess this up and when we die, you cannot go back. There's only regrets. Three things that you can do while you're still living. One, you do unto God. Two, you do for each other. And three, you do for yourself. Unto God. 
your ministry. Second Corinthians chapter five verse ten. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive. Everyone may receive things done in his body. Again, what you do does not affect your salvation. Your salvation is the work of Jesus Christ alone. Your salvation, whether you're saved or not, is Christ's work alone. Your work here is constitute the good work. Everything done in His body, according to that He had done, whether it be good or bad. What you do matters, not for your salvation, but for you, for God, and for the people around you. Otherwise, we might as well be that penitent thief. Die, and then Jesus said, "Today you'll be with me in paradise." Nothing to do. Work has no effect on your salvation, but work has effect on you. I divide this church up into several groups. Some of you, I assign you to go to school from kindergarten to fourth grade. Some of you, some of you, I'll give you up to high school. Some of you, I'll let you get a bachelor degree. Some of you, I'll let you get a master degree. And then for a very few of you, unless you get a PhD. Now all these people will get a chance to work for one company. There's only one company, but all of you will vying for some positions in that company. Which one of you will get the best position in this company? We have been given one chance to learn about God. Every one of you have been given this chance to know God because what you do matters in eternity. The more you know about God, the less you know about God. All that affects what happens in eternity. What will you do in eternity depends on what you learn here. Because remember, we get resurrected what with our bodies, not with something new. With your body, how you die, that's how you're gonna get resurrected. Jesus says this: Work when is yet still day. That's why Jesus, when people said, "Lord, would it be good to just stay here?" said, "No, I can't." I still have work that my father has given me to do. I need to finish that work. We all need to finish the work that the father has given to us. Otherwise, are you that unfaithful servant that God has given you talent and you decided not to do with it? Secondly, unto each other, unto men, we have been instructed to love God with all our hearts, mind, and soul, and strength, and we also were instructed to love each other. By this, that men would know that you are my disciples. How you love each other, our responsibility to each other is why we are still alive. You cannot knock on my door, Pastor Paul. Can you help me if I'm dead? I can't help you if I'm dead. I can only help you if I'm alive. We can only help each other while we're alive. But yet, if we live so selflessly, my life is only for me. Then, in the end, you have gained nothing. So our lives has to be. Life living in blessing and in service for other people. Otherwise, your lives is not worth living. Why am I doing this today, right now? Why am I doing this every week? Why am I here? Because my life is a service to all of you. That's what my life means. That's what our lives supposed to mean. We should show our love to each other. And lastly, unto yourself, you live. For others, for God, but also you live for yourself. Education is for yourself. Educate yourself in God is for you. You grow 
deeper in the knowledge of God so that you can be more effective in serving God and in serving the people around you. Father, we ask for your grace to pour over us the things that you have prepared for those who love you. It's beyond everything that we can imagine or dream of, but you have made yourself an example that we all can follow. You lived selflessly, you gave unconditionally, and you sacrificed everything. Lord, may we follow in the footsteps of the Lord Jesus Christ. And may we live our life in respect to the teaching and to the ordinances that you have given to us. May they just rise, Lord, in this time where we yet have breath and in our nostril, that we will be instruments in the Master's hand, affecting the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ by serving, by ministering, by teaching, and by growing in you in every aspect of our being. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.